All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. I'm a real boy! You want thingamabobs? I got 20. 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. This is the Magic on a Dollar podcast with David Dollar. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mod Pod. This is David Dollar, and this is the Magic on a Dollar podcast, folks. I am once here once again for the eleventh episode of your favorite magical a magical podcast featuring David Dollar. Which I don't know how many podcasts out there you have featuring a David Dollar, but out of all of them. I'm going to guess that I might be your favorite. If I'm not, then I'm going to work on that to try to be your favorite. Thanks once again for joining us. Thank you once again for all the downloads and all the love that you've given to the podcast so far. Do me a favor. Right at the top of the show, I'm going to ask you a favor. Tell a friend. Tell a friend about it. Uh, when you see me on Facebook and if you see the post, share the post with other people. Say, hey, I got this friend of mine. He does a Disney podcast. You should take a listen. Take a download. Take a listen. Take a subscription to it. Maybe give a review. I would love that, too. I would love to hear from that. That'd be awesome. Uh, we'll get to all the all the plugs and all the stuff like that at the end of the show because we, we have a lot to get to today. Several bits of news and we've got some big stories to talk about before Christmas because Christmas season is here, folks. It is it's Christmas. It is Christmas like next week. And so, um, uh, or this week, actually, my tree is only got like three ornaments on it. I haven't even put all of my tree up yet. And here it is. It's Christmas time. By the time I get the ornaments on it, I will end up having to take them off a few days later because Christmas will have come and gone. And it's amazing how fast time goes by. Isn't it? It's just, it's just insane. My son, who I've talked about before, he's just now discovering Santa Claus. Like just now really, really realizing who um, who is Santa Claus, which is pretty cool. And so uh, so it's kind of fun to be kind of in that period of like he recognizes Santa and he's going to be able to open gifts from Santa and that, and that kind of thing. So that's really, really cool. So I hope you guys are having a great holiday season so far. I know a lot of people are going to be out of work, not out of work, but off of work this week and hopefully not out of work, but off work this week. You'll have the kids at home as well. And so thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Maybe to help your time go by a little bit easier, a little bit faster. So, let's go ahead and kick off some news with some do 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 some magic on a dollar world news tonight. First of all, Stitch's Great Escape will be closing. Now, we've talked, if you've listened to the previous episodes of this podcast, you will have known that we have talked about Stitch's Great Escape before kind of I, I'm not a big fan of it I actually mentioned something about my about it on my Facebook page uh, Disney on a dollar uh, on Facebook and a lot of people responded to it and they're like yeah we're not a fan we don't really really like it what came before that and we'll kind of walk you through it real quick is uh, was Mission to Mars that was kind of the opening theme of that and you walk in and you can Google you can Google it yourself if you want to see it but you walk in and there was this circle of chairs, like three or four rows, and they're all in a circle, and a big tube in the middle, and you sit down. Um, Mission to Mars, I don't remember a lot about Mission to Mars. So that came, and that came that came and went. And then in, I think, 1995, maybe, extraterrestrial alien counter jumped in there. Um, it opened up in late 1994, opened up for good in 1995, and basically you sit down, harness comes over you, and an alien has escaped out of that tube in the middle. And so he jumps all over the place, and you feel the harnesses kind of pressing on your shoulders, and you hear the breathing and the <sighs> on the back of your neck, and it's kind of weird stuff. And it, it gives you the sense of the the alien is on your shoulder, and the whole room is dark. It's pitch black in there, completely pitch black. 
Um, and it's a little freaky, a little scary. I, I didn't mind it as much because, you know, I was a grown man when I saw it. Uh, a lot of kids didn't like it, though. A lot of kids didn't like it. And they kind of, Disney kind of realized that. And one of the things Disney tries to do is to make sure that all attractions are for everybody. Now, there are some, there are a few little experiences that, you know, adults can't do. Uh, the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique, you have to be 12 years old or younger to do that. So you can't go in as a grown man or woman and get all decked out with glitter and, you know, as the prince or princess. And, but the Pirates League, you can do, actually. Anybody can do the Pirates League if you want. Um, but most of the attractions are, are you're able to, to do them. You're able to ride them. Uh, and they want to make sure that they're available not just for size and age-wise, but also for, for, I guess, maturity level, too. That they want to make sure they don't have attractions that little kids can't ride or don't want to ride. Um, and Alien Encounter was like that. So they took that away, put in Stitch's Great Escape, because at the time, oh three ish maybe? Uh, I think it was when it was opened. Uh, let me double-check here. Um, oh, 04. Uh, November 2004. Um, because Stitch was a big, real popular. Leo and Stitch had come out, um, like two years previous to that. So Lilo was a big deal. Stitch was a big deal. They put Alien, they put Stitch's Great Escape in there and it just, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It's been widely derided as a bad attraction. It just wasn't fun. It smells like chili dogs. It literally, you walk in there and you're like, hmm, smells like my lunch at Sonic. Cause that's exactly what it is. It smells like a chili dog and just, it's not a fun attraction. So that will be closing on January 6th. Over the last year or so, they've actually had it open intermittently during the big seasons, during the holiday seasons and stuff when they need, when they need attractions open to fill people or to take people in, they would open it. But, uh, that's going to be closing on January 6th, likely for good. Um, it will make way for a new yet to be announced attraction that again, it's yet to be announced. We don't know what the attraction is going to be. Looking now, the Flights of Wonder show is going to be closing. That's over at Animal Kingdom. And I really like the Flights of Wonder show. It's it's a show that's, well, first of all, it's under an awning. So if you're really hot and really tired, you go have a seat and everything. It's about 20 minutes. And these people come out with some birds, some great birds, owls and condors and hawks and little birds and big birds or whatever. And they do, I mean, I don't want to say they do stunts because that makes it sound like a stunt show of some sort or like a kitschy little, little cheesy show. And it's... Kind of like that, but it's not really. It's really educational. It's real fun. Um, it's kind of cool to see these big birds of prey in action. Not they're, they're not you know picking up small birds or anything on the stage or small flying off with small children or anything. Um, although I guess that would be a good way to fill up Small World, get the small kids, take them to Small World. Anyway, so so the Flights of Wonder is is it's a great show, and I've actually been on stage during Flights of Wonder too, where they were um, I had a had a California condor flying at my head at about I don't know sixty miles an hour. Um, and it goes so fast, I didn't even see it. I was like, oh, there goes the bird. Whoa. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. Well, that show will be closing, unfortunately. The final show will be December 31st as well. So if you're at Disney World and you have a chance to go see this show, go check it out. Now, unlike Alien Encounter, Stitch's Great Escape, when it's closing, with nothing coming in it right now, right now, they will be replacing this show with a Russell and Doug experience from the movie Up. Now, there is no name for this show yet. I don't know the name of it, but... Just in time for the 20th anniversary of Animal Kingdom, the new experience with Russell and Doug will have the senior wilderness explorer Russell and his furry friend Doug. I just met you and I love you. Um, as they discover species of birds from around the world at this newest adventure in this theater over in Animal Kingdom. So go check that show out if you're there next spring. It looks like a lot of fun. It looks like a lot of a lot of fun. Um, I love Russell and Doug anyway, so it's going to be kind of cool to see them in action, which would be pretty cool. Next up, the Cirque du Soleil show, La Nuba at Disney Springs will be closing. It actually opened up this week in 1998, if you can imagine that. Um, but it will be closing. Its final performance will be December 31st, and they will announce... Uh, they've announced this already. Um, the show premiered in 1998 and was the first Cirque du Soleil show to have a permanent home residence in a city besides Las Vegas. There have been more than 8,500 performances of the show, and more than 10 million people 
have seen the show. And if you're like me, I've seen it three times, which is pretty cool. It's, it's, if you go to Disney Springs, it's that big white building in the end there. It's a kind of tent-shaped building. It's got these awnings that come over off the side of it. Um, Nobody really knows what they're going to do with the building yet, but uh, but the show will be closing. And it's a really cool show. If you're not familiar with Cirque du Soleil, they don't use animals in this circus, and it's a people kind of thing. Uh, I, I say that. I don't know all the Cirque du Soleil shows, so everyone that I've seen doesn't use animals. But they use, they have different different uh, um, people characters. One's like a strongman guy called Le Titan, and there's a Lasua uh, who's like a like a green bird person or whatever, and there's um there's trapezes and there's trapezes, trapeze artists and there's high flyers and there's trampoline jumpers and there's this set of um, um, uh, I don't know if they're Korean or Chinese girls, but they, they have uh, basically spools on a rope and they do these incredible tricks and go check this out on YouTube because they're just fantastic. But one of my favorite things about Lanuba is when you go to Disney World and you have a seat on the couch or on the bed there and you're watching TV because everybody else is getting ready and you're flipping channels and you've already seen Stacy 15 times, you know, the must-do Disney, which uh, which is on all the time. And you're flipping channels, maybe you're looking for the score, maybe you're looking for the weather or something like that. And you flip past and there's a commercial for La Nuba, you know, at Disney Springs, Cirque du Soleil, La Nuba. And they play this really cool music. Uh, here's a clip real quick. Just, just take a listen. Love that, love that, and they play that during the, one of the commercials, and I love it. And, and it, what what happens during this, if I'm not mistaken, if, if my memory serves me correctly, what happens during this music is they have these trampolines, these huge trampolines they put on stage, and these walls that come up around the trampolines, and these gentlemen, ladies too, I guess, I don't know, these these performers get out there on top of the wall and they jump off the the wall onto the trampoline, land on their back on the trampoline, bounce back up, walk up the wall as they're going up. To go back on top, and they do it over and over in this rhythmic performance, and it's just so cool. I mean, it's it's one of those reminders of, you know, Dave, you're just not that talented. Um, you're very, you're definitely not coordinated, and you're not that uh, that acrobatic, and uh, I'm not. So it's really cool. You can check it out on YouTube. Get the music on YouTube as well, and you can find that that song. That song's called Distorted. You can find it on YouTube. Distorted this, as part of the Cirque du Soleil soundtrack. Cirque du Soleil closing its final performance on December 31st, 2017. This week in Disney history, two movies opened up that uh, one I've seen I like very much, one I have never seen, and one of these days I will get around to seeing, and the one I've never seen is called The Black Hole from 1979. Never seen it. I don't know anything about it. I've never seen it. I've heard it's a little kitschy. I've heard it's kind of fun, but... uh, I, I don't know. It's a live-action science fiction feature um, with uh, Maximilian Schell, Robert Forster, Joseph Bottoms, uh, Anthony Perkins, and Ernest Borgnine. And they have a couple of robot characters uh, vo- uh, voiced by Roddy McDowell and Slim Pickens. Uh, it was the first PG movie nominated – or no, sorry, not nominated. First PG movie released in Disney history, nominated for Academy Awards for cinematography and visual effects. Um I need to see this. The budget was it wasn't a success then. The budget was around twenty million dollars, which back in nineteen seventy nine was a big, big deal. So uh, that's something that uh, that I I just got to get around to seeing eventually. Of course, Saving Mr. Banks also came out twenty um, thirteen this week. Um, great little film, a fun little film. Kind of the the story of um, E. L. Travers, who who wrote Mary Poppins and her dealings with Walt Disney as Walt Disney tried to procure the rights to Mary Poppins so he could make the movie Mary Poppins. 
Of course, Walt Disney played by Tom Hanks, um, played eloquently by Tom Hanks. It's one of those, like, he doesn't really look like Walt Disney all that much, but he's so charming in this movie, you believe him to be Walt Disney. Uh, Emma Thompson plays E.L. Travers, who is, she's great, too. My Probably my favorite character, though, is her her, her valet, played by Paul Giamatti. Uh, he is great. He's a wonderful character in this, and I think he's overlooked in this. A lot of people don't even know he's in this movie, but Saving Mr. Banks, uh, definitely check that out. It's a family film. Uh, it does have some kind of some deeper things. deals with death and deals with things like that, but uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I will say that I've heard that the actual story itself of how Walt Disney procured Mary Poppins from Travers isn't as nice as the movie portrays it. So, of course, just understand we got some Hollywood fiction going on here, but it is a fun movie. And, of course, a historic week this week. In 1937, Disney's first feature-length animated film, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, premiering at the Carthay Circle Theater in Los Angeles, California. The film featured the voices of Adriana Casalati as Snow White, Harry Stockwell as the prince. Um, in attendance for the for this animated feature, it's, it's the first feature-length film of animation. Uh, Charlotte Chaplin was there, Douglas Fairbanks, Judy Garland, Carol Lombard, John Barrymore, Marlene Dietrich, and of course, Fred McMurray, who was a feature Disney legend. Also, we had some other people there, some other celebrities there. This was a big deal. This was a huge deal because this is also called Walt Disney's Folly because he's trying to make a cartoon that's actually a movie. That's never going to work. How many times have you heard that in Walt Disney's story? Um, premiered in this week in 1937 on December 21st. Awesome movie. Now, awesome story. I'm not a fan of the movie itself. I... I'm one of those that when I see movies like this, like I recognize the history of it and I can watch it and I appreciate this movie because I'm thinking to myself, this is 1939, 1937, how big of a deal this is, you know, it's it's a big deal for this, but it's just like, it's, you know, it's it's not a movie that I enjoy that much. I, I don't like the songs very much. Um, the story is fun. The Seven Doors Mind Train ride is fun. The dwarves are fun. I, I'm not a fan of uh, Adriana Casalotti's voice. Um, she is a beautiful singer. Do not get me wrong, please. If you know Adriana Casalotti or her family, don't call her up and be like, "Hey, the uh, the Mod Pod host David Dollar said your your voice is not good." Don't do that. Her voice is amazing. It's just a type of music I don't really care for. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to stop talking about Snow White before I get in trouble. Uh, anyway, it's a big deal because it was the first uh, first animated feature premiering this week in 1937. And in 1995, not quite a big of a deal, but still kind of fun anyway. Um, premiering in 1995 was the brand new... Uh, the brand new character meal called Chef Mickey opened up in WDW's uh, Contemporary Resort right there by the Magic Kingdom and uh, it replaced the Contemporary Cafe which I think was kind of there now they have something called the, the Tempo Cafe or the Contempt Cafe or something like that I don't think it's the Contempt Cafe because that would be kind of weird but um, anyway it's a spot for character meals and it's a great meal as a Disney travel planner like I am by the way and if you have any questions or want to get some quotes and some prices I would love to help you take your family to Walt Disney World Disneyland Disney Cruises uh, Alani and Hawaii, uh, maybe even Adventures by Disney. Um, I will only, I won't charge you anything because Disney takes care of me so I can take care of you. Magic and dollar at gmail.com. Shameless plug. Uh, so, no, Chef Mickey opens there at Contemporary Resort and it's a character meal and it's a really good place to eat because you go there and all the, the main characters are there. You get to meet Mickey and Minnie and Goofy and Donald and Daisy. Sometimes Chip and Dale are there. Um, usually it's about four or five characters, so don't think you're going to meet the entire spectrum of all of them. But you always get the big ones. And, and it's kind of fun if you're if you're like us, if you're like our family. We like meeting characters and we like having kind of a, a, a mental checklist of I'd really like to meet Mickey this time. I'd like to meet Tinkerbell this time. And then once you meet them, you're good. Like I met Mickey at Chef Mickey. I don't have to worry about standing in line for Mickey over here because I've already met Mickey. So you knock out a lot of the big ones right there. So Chef Mickey uh, opened up this week in 1995. Can't believe it's been 22 years now. That's insane how long that's been. Um, big deal, of course, 
considering what's happening in the last week or last couple of days or so, in 2012, in on December 21st, Disney acquires Star Wars and Lucasfilm. Now, it's important to remember this because a lot of people, they don't really really understand or don't really recognize the fact that it's Lucasfilm, not just Star Wars. People think Star Wars only, which is fine because it is just Star Wars, but they actually grabbed Lucasfilm as well. Lucasfilm owns Indiana Jones and Willow and some other things too, so it's a lot more than just Star Wars. Uh, $4.06 billion with a B dollars to acquire Lucasfilm, this day in 2012. That, of course, adds on to the Pixar and the Marvel acquisitions they had made in previous years um, to make to make Walt Disney, Walt Disney a huge company, a even huger company. So, two things real quick. Get us a couple of big stories here. Um, we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks, and this is the Disney Fox deal. Uh, 21st Century Fox, it's a movie studio uh, who owns, of course, regional sports channels, and they own international stuff. They own a couple of cable channels. Well, Disney and Fox have been talking about acquiring most if, of 21st Century Fox. Um, and it's kind of a deal that started out, and then it kind of fell through, and the Comcast, who owns Universal Studios, came in the mix. Um, finally, Comcast said, you know, no, thank you. Well, uh, they're back now. They're, I'm not Comcast, but Fox and Disney finally worked it out. $52.4 billion to acquire 21st Century Fox, or most of it anyway. So what's in it for Disney? Um, television production. They're going to get um, the television division, which includes The Simpsons, This Is Us, Modern Family, American Horror Story, Homeland, as well as a plethora of other shows. Uh, of course, ABC Studios is kind of the, uh, uh, you know, kind of the, the equivalent to that as well, which they will also own. Now, they don't get Fox the broadcast channel. So wherever you see on Fox itself, they don't get Fox the broadcast channel. They're not going to get Fox News. They're not going to get Fox Business or any of the news channels um, as well. But they will get uh, the streaming service that, that Disney's going to try to break into because they also get part of Hulu. Fox has a big owning stake of Hulu streaming, and so now they own that stake of Hulu. Um, they also will get the Fox the Fox regional sports channels. Like, you know, you, maybe you're flipping through the, your, your Dish Network or DirecTV and you see the college games that are on, you know, Fox Midwest and Fox South and Fox North and Fox whatever. Well, now Disney will get all of those, which is going to be kind of cool. Um, of course, we talked about the characters they're going to get, which is just insane. X-Men and Fantastic Four are going to be the big ones. Of course, Disney bought Marvel and, uh, for four billion dollars in two thousand nine, in addition to Star Wars, and of course they bought Pixar. So basically, those three acquisitions totaled, I don't know, seventeen billion dollars, something like that. And we're looking at a fifty-two billion dollar deal. So it's it's insane. So Disney will, of course, get Avatar. And we talked about this before, but I'm going to go back over it again because it's so exciting to me. Uh, they get Avatar. They get Aliens. They get Predator. Uh, they get the Ice Age franchise. There's like fifteen of those movies, right? Ice Age, and Ice Age Continental Drift, and Ice Age, you know, Tundra Plateau, and Ice Age. Iceberg right ahead, whatever they're called, but they get all those. They get the uh, the, the Planet of the Apes franchise, in addition to other franchises that maybe aren't as uh, lucrative right now. Night at the Museum, Disney will now own. Uh, Disney will now get uh, uh, Home Alone properties. The Doctor Doolittle series, Alvin and the Chipmunks will now become Disney characters, pretty much outright, which is going to be kind of cool. So, uh, so that's going to be that, that'll be there. Um, they'll get the regional sports networks, as I mentioned. They're also going to get cable channels like Fox, uh, like FX. Um, I think they're going to get FXX as well. They will end up getting um, National Geographic Channel, and there's several international channels they will be taking over as well. So this is a big deal. Now, we won't really see the, the effects of this until probably on down the road. So this is not something that we're going to see like immediately what's going to happen. All of this is going to happen immediately. It's going to kind of trickle down. Stockholders, a lot of this is purchased in stock, so it's going to be kind of interesting on the business side to see who's going to get what and uh, who's going to still be running this company, uh, who's going to be the major stakeholders, and that kind of thing. 
I'll tell you what, I'm just going to plan Disney vacations and just let, let that be that. So, uh, so there we go. So Disney and Fox joining hands will finally be a part of one company now um, for the most part, which is going to be, like I said, it's going to be pretty cool. So finally, let's get to, let's get to Star Wars The Last Jedi. And I've been thinking about this over the last, over this morning, kind of figuring out how I want to do this because there's so much to talk about in this movie, but I don't want to spoil it. So I'm going to do this in three Sections. This first section is me just talking generally about the movie. If you want to go into the movie not knowing anything, okay, I'm going to kind of give you a brief overview of just some simple things, all right? Now, if you're like me and you like going to the movie, you don't want to know the plot, you don't want to don't want to know the spoilers, but you're okay with knowing the plot, I'll get into that, and I'll, I'll tell you when. And then at the end of everything, I will go into a spoiler-filled little paragraph of conversation, um, and we'll kind of get to that. But you will have plenty of warning, okay? You'll have plenty of warning, so so don't don't fear. Don't fear that I'm going to jump out and be like, oh, Han Solo died. Uh, I'm not going to do that to you, uh, which he did die in The Force Awakens, you know, two years ago. It's been two years. You've had time. Um... And so, and Dumbledore died too, and that's been 10 years now. So, but that's also not Star Wars. But anyway, um, so it opened last night, and I actually went to see uh, two two shows. I went to a $30 event at 6 p.m. my time. I went to a 9.30 regular show as well. The $30 event was called the Fan Event, and you got this little pack of postcards with, with Disney characters on them. I haven't even opened mine yet. You got a free popcorn. Uh, popcorn, of course, as you would imagine, it was just okay. I think they had bags and bags of popcorn ready to go, so it wasn't even that hot. It was a little, a little over, overly salty, but it was nice to have free popcorn. I mean, I still bought a drink and a pack of candy, and it cost me $12, which is insane. So, you know, so it was nice to have the popcorn. But we had that, and, uh, we, you know, we went to sit down. The, the film started at, or the preview started at 6, and they only had one commercial, and they had a bunch of previews, which is great. Um, a lot of science fiction stuff coming. I did get to see the preview for Jurassic World, which was Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which is pretty cool. I like that series. Also, however, uh, we got to see the Infinity War trailer for the Avengers, which I'm just geeking out over. I've seen it so many times on, on, on online, I can't even count. But, uh, of course, then the movie gets going. We have uh, uh, Ryan Johnson come out, comes out and introduces a little short featurette they showed only at the 6 p.m. show. And it was kind of a little 10-minute short, 5-minute short on John Williams kind of producing the music for the sh- for the movie and how you know he's done it for the other eight films. And, and here he is now for the, another one, for the next one and or the other seven films. I don't think he did Rogue One. Anyway. So he did that, and it was a little feature, whatever. So the movie starts, okay, and it's just, it's so cool to be sitting there in the theater, and all of a sudden you hear, you know, the, the screen is silent, or the, the audience is silent, and then you, you see a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and you hear the music, and then it's Star Wars and the big letters, and here comes the crawl, which is really, really cool. Another thing about Fox and Disney joining forces is that we're going to get the fanfare back. I, I haven't heard this officially, but you know that, dun, 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 dun. That part uh, that wasn't in the Force Awakens, I don't think, because Disney and Fox weren't were two different companies. Uh, Disney buys, buys Star Wars and Lucasfilm, and so we don't have the Fox fanfare. I think we're going to get that back. I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that Episode Nine we're going to get that back, or even re-releases of this one they will put it on the beginning because we missed the fanfare, right? So. So you have that, and the movie starts, opens up with a, a with, with a with a cool scene, like right off the bat, a really really cool scene, as every Star Wars film usually does, kind of a cool scene to begin with. Um, kind of continues on. There's a couple of stories that kind of interweave together, and again, I'm not gonna, this part of the, the review, I'm not going to give you all the details, and I'm not going to give you any details really. So if you want to go into it blind, you can. Um, but kind of weave some stories together. You know, we we go back to Ray, and of course, uh, what I'm going to say now doesn't is not anything that wasn't in the trailer or that you shouldn't already know. Of course, Ray is now on the island in a, on a planet called 
Octu, Octong baby. I'm not really sure. Um, but he's on, she's on a planet with, with Luke. She's trying to get Luke to come back to uh, the Resistance. Of course, you've got the First Order, um, who is headed by uh, Supreme Leader Snoke, who is the really, really bad villain. And you have Kylo Ren, and you have um, you have Command, uh, General Hux, played by Domhnall Gleeson. Played wonderfully by Domhnall Gleeson. And so they're attacking the, first, uh, the, the Resistance, who is all the rebels, who is Princess Leia, and, and all the rest. And so, from there, you know, the story's kind of interweaving together, and you get, you end up with a, with a climactic battle at the end, as you would imagine. Okay? So, the movie is, it's, it's a little long. It's two hour, two and a half hours, the longest Star Wars film to date. But it's wonderful. It's wonderfully layered. It's wonderfully done. And one of the things that I really like about this movie is that there's so many complexities to it. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy to kind of put complexity and layers onto a movie about Star Wars or a Star Wars film. But it is. It, there's your directors there. The first one, and Force Awakens, was done by J.J. Abrams. And don't forget, I, I like J.J. Abrams a lot. He's a he's a great director. He's a great guy. He's a he's a, like a brilliant mind. But his direction is kind of, tends to be a little flashy and a little sparkly and a little just like ooh, you know, all over the place. Um, Ryan Johnson's the one who directed this one. And Ryan Johnson actually directed a few other films too, including Looper, which is a a time travel science fiction gritty crime movie. If you can imagine science fiction gritty crime movie. Altogether, that's kind of what that is, and it puts a very cool spin on the whole time travel purpose. Um, and so he kind of brings that—I don't want to say he brings the grittiness to this movie, but he kind of does because it's that's just how good it is. And so um, there's a there's a big difference in J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson. So with 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 Force Awakens, we not had a Star Wars film in a decade or even more. And so um, one of the things that I think that was important is to bring you back into the fold of Star Wars. I'm not going to get into the prequels. The prequels are fine movies. I don't love them. They have a lot of problems. I enjoy watching them. But realistically, we didn't have a great Star Wars film in a long, long time. So The Force Awakens you know, has, has a job. It has to bring you back into the fandom. It has to bring you back into the Star Wars fold. It has to, re- has to introduce new characters to you. You don't know who Finn is. You don't know who Rey is. You don't know who Poe Dameron is. You don't know who Kylo Ren is, but you're expected to care about these characters even though all we really cared about for the last 30 years is Luke and Han and Leia and Chewie and, and, and Darth Vader. Well, now, you know, we're going to give you all these new characters. You need to care about them while we kill off Han and we don't bring in Luke to the end of the movie. And we know that Princess Leia is not, is, is worse for this world. And so it was a really, really big job. And so that's why Force Awakens, I think, was was kind of a straight story. It was a straight beginning to end story. Didn't 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 swerve a lot. There's some accusations about, will it just fall? It just copied to do help. Who cares? It's a great movie. I mean, there's a lot of movies that copy other movies that are great movies. I mean, they just, you know, they don't don't worry about that, okay? Just don't worry about it. Uh, Force Awakens. It's a, it's just a straight story, start to finish. You got this, this, this. Here's a new character. Here's a new character. There's the ending. Boom! Great movie. Last Jedi is not like that at all. It, it basically it takes your characters, it splits them up into different different situations. They are all all working towards one purpose. Um, it is somewhat of a limited storytelling. What's going on in the movie itself is a little uh, uh, it's, it's kind of I want to say limiting, um, but it is kind of a main thing happening. It doesn't happen over the course of days and days and days and days and days. Okay, so it's a great film. It's a great film. All right. So having said that. I'm going to go into the more specific plot points with no spoilers. No spoilers, by the way, but more specific plot points. I'm going to talk a little bit about the plot itself. So if you, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Please don't think I'm going to. So don't turn me off yet. But if you don't want to know anything about the plot, if you're like, I'm going to go into this blind, because the trailers doesn't really give you a lot about the plot at all. So if you're like, I'm going to go into this blind. Here we go. You ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Okay. From here on out, I'm going to be talking about plot points. So if you don't want to know the plot of the movie, now's your time. All right. 
And so if you want to fast forward maybe three or four minutes, we'll do the plugs and we'll, we'll, we'll be out of here and then we'll get to the spoiler stuff. But here's the plot of the movie, basically. It opens up. It's uh, It opens up as an escape movie because the First Order is bearing down on the Resistance. They're going to destroy the Resistance. The Resistance is, is, is leaving a base. They're in a cruiser. They're in a, 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 a like a transport cruiser. They're trying to get out of there, and the First Order is bearing down on them. We don't know why. We don't know what's happening. Every time they go to hyperspace, First Order's right there. So something crazy is happening, right? And so, um, and so the movie... Uh, you've got uh, you've got Ray on the island with Luke, so she's over here, and then you've got Finn who wakes up, and he and he meets another character named Rose, uh, played by Kelly Marie Tran. Am I saying that right? Uh, I'm gonna look it up on IMDb while I'm talking to you here because I want to make sure I get this right. But she plays Rose. She's kind of a, a mechanic there on on the cruiser, but. Um, basically, she and Finn have to go and figure out do do a little plot plot device thing where they have to uh, they have to. Um, basically do something to one of the ships, one of the enemy ships, so that, that that way the resistance can get away. And I guess that's the best way to put it, because I don't I, I don't want to get into the minutiae of that exactly yet, because if you don't know that part, then I don't want to spoil that for you. Um, so they're doing that. And Poe Dameron, of course, is in trouble with Leia, because he makes some really bad decisions at the beginning of the movie, and he really does a lot of damage to the resistance uh, unintentionally. So he's doing the whole hothead thing, you know, where he wants to, you know, can I get in a, a, you know, I think what Leia said, something like, um, you know, the answer isn't always just to jump in an X-Wing and blow stuff up or something like that. And so so there's that. And then you've got, of course, Kylo Ren, who's battling his whole his old demons of who he is and trying to figure out, you know, what's going on, that kind of thing. So you've got all that going on. So these, these simultaneous stories are all weaving together into this great, great thing. Okay? Um, again, loved it. Love the movie. Uh, again, two and a half hours. There's a segment in the middle. There's like a second act of the movie that probably could have been taken out the the Finn and Rose I guess um, task that they had to do could have been shortened up by like 20 minutes so there is that but overall it's wonderful it's brilliant the Porgs were the little itty bitty little creatures little hamster looking creatures that kind of make the trippy sounds um, they're on the trailers and stuff they didn't annoy me as much as I thought they would. I really looked at those creatures and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're doing porks to make everything just cute so girls will love it and just whatever. Which is a stupid thing to say because that's what people said about about Ewoks and, you know, and so the kids will love them or whatever. Didn't bother me as much as I thought they would. It really didn't. It was actually pretty cool. So they actually were pretty cool little dice, little plot devices, which was kind of fun. Um, so it was kind of fun to see Chewie and, and the Porgs interact. So that was fun. Um, also, there was a lot of a lot of depth, a lot of depth to this. There was a lot more happening that uh, that that in this movie than in the other movies because you really had to keep up with so many things. Visually, it is stunning. Visually, it is incredible. There's a scene right in the middle of the movie, and actually, my friend actually clocked it. And he said it was an hour and fifty minutes into it. It's about 10 seconds long, and the whole theater was gasping because it was like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And it was and I, when I saw it for the second time, because I went to the 6 o'clock show, then I went again to the 9.30 show, I was just on the edge of my seat. And as the scene approached, I, I told my friend next to me, I was like, here we go, let's do it, let's do it. It was, it was, oh, it was beautiful. One of, one of the best 10 seconds of film I've ever seen. It's just so good. Um, we'll get to the <laughs> spoilers. And so I'm just excited about talking about this movie, but. Um, I'm just trying to make sure that I don't, you know, give you the wrong thing. So, Mark Hamill is great as Luke. He is wonderful as Luke Skywalker. The, the appearances he makes in there, it's fantastic. It's a great, 
story for Luke itself. But of course, it's also a story about discovery for Rey as she tries to figure out who she is and what's going on with her, who are her parents, why is she here, that kind of thing. Kylo Ren is trying to seduce her to one side and, and Rey is convinced that she can get Kylo back to her side. And so they're going back and forth on that. Uh, Snoke, um, uh, played by Andy Serkis, who is like a motion capture genius of the world. He's amazing at motion capture. Motion capture. His character was great. And the, the Platorian Guards, I don't know the official name of it, the Platorian Guards, the red guys in the back, they're fantastic. Uh, Captain Phasma, who is the silver stormtrooper character, um, she wasn't used as much as I hoped she would be, but she was great. And so everything kind of worked all together, really built upon The Force Awakens, and really sets up nicely for Episode Nine, which... Daisy Ridley has come out and said that Episode Nine will be her final appearance in a Star Wars film. And I'm guessing that John Boyega, probably Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron and as Finn, are probably going to be the same way. So Episode Nine will wrap up their story. Ryan Johnson, the director of this one, has said that he will... He's, we will be doing more Star Wars stories, another trilogy of new characters, new settings, that kind of thing. So so this whole story will be wrapped up next episode in two years, which is like now we have to wait 2019. 2019 is going to be a huge year because the fourth Avengers will come out by then. Uh, we'll be out. Star Wars Land will be opened up at Hollywood Studios and over at Disney, Disneyland. Uh, the last, the episode nine of Star Wars will be coming out. It's going to be a ma- monster year for movies and for nerddom. It's going to be great. Okay. So let's wrap this show up, okay? Wrap this show up, and then we'll do some spoilers. We'll actually talk about more in depth about Lost Jedi. So real quick, uh, the Magic on a Dollar podcast, <laughs> thank you for listening, sticking with me this long. I'm hoping that if you're a Star Wars fan, you stuck with me. And if you're not a Star Wars fan, maybe just fast forward it to this part here. But uh, do me a favor. Tell a friend. Tell a friend about the show. Let people know that you're listening to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. That's the way the show grows. The goal is to get to the new and noteworthy section of iTunes, and I can't do that without your help Thank you for those of you who have helped and done the reviews and things like that. You're wonderful. Uh, Magic on a Dollar podcast brought to you by MyResumeLady.com. My friend Amy Campbell, she is wonderful. She is so great at what she does. She does resumes. She does LinkedIn. She does marketing. Go visit MyResumeLady.com. If you have a resume problem, if you need need a better job, need a better position, whatever you're doing, Go talk to her. Her and her team have been doing this for almost 10 years now. They will be happy to help you get yourself set up. For, for, for success. That's her whole goal is for you to succeed. Um, her job is to make everybody succeed. And so hopefully maybe, maybe one day that'll happen. So, um, so is that the, the show produced by my good friend, remodeling clay shaver, who's the host of the remodeling clay podcast released every Thursday. Now this past week was, of course was an average episode. And I say that not because it's an average episode, but that's what it's all about. It's kind of the, the kind of the now don't worry about then don't worry about the future. Worry about now. Because we'd like to forget about now sometimes. We always look ahead, always look ahead to what's going. And you know what? There's a scene in The Last Jedi that talks about that very thing. And I'll talk about that in a second. But it talks about that very thing to quit looking ahead and concentrate on what's going on right now. Which is pretty cool. So anyway, Remodeling Clay Podcast. You can actually get that at remodelingclay.com. Find it on iTunes or Stitcher. Same thing with this show. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or as we say, wherever finer podcasts are sold. Find me on Instagram at Magic on a Dollar and on Twitter at Disney on a Dollar and on Facebook at Magic on a Dollar and Disney on a Dollar. One's a fan page. One's kind of a business page where I put a lot of news and stuff. Find me on both of those. You can go follow me everywhere. Be my stalker. I love, I, I need a stalker. Be my stalker on, on Disney stuff. That's fantastic. We'd love it. Um, also, magicandadollar.com. And of course, you can email me about the podcast, magicandadollarpodcast at gmail.com or Email me your, your questions about Disney World, Disneyland, and hey, you want to go on a trip, that kind of thing. That's going to be magic on a dollar at gmail.com. I would love to help you on your trip. Oh, hashtag ModPod and all that stuff. I'd love to see it. So that's our show. And we're going to get now to some spoilers in just a second. So that's the show. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Don't forget to thank a Phoenician. 
Okay, so here we go. We're going to talk about last uh, last Jedi spoiler for the next two or three minutes. We're going to kind of I want to dive really into the movie itself and kind of give you my thoughts on the movie itself. If you've already seen the movie, great. If you haven't seen the movie and you don't want it spoiled for you, because I'm about to tell you in a second what happens specifically in this movie, who dies, who lives, blah 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 blah. I'm gonna give you five seconds. You ready? Five, four, three, two. One. Okay, so now we're into the spoiler section of The Last Jedi. I've given you fair warning. So if you don't know that Snoke gets sliced in half by Kylo Ren at the hand of uh, the hand of the Force, then, you know, don't listen. If you don't want to know that Yoda makes an appearance in this movie, then don't listen. If you don't want to know that Luke Skywalker disappears at the end of the movie, kind of the Force death thing, uh, don't listen. You know, otherwise, otherwise we're good. Um, loved this movie, okay? Uh, so the movie starts out, of course, with the resistance and the force, uh, the, the first order. I love the whole dynamic of just bearing down on on the ship. So we got to see some things we didn't really ever get to see in Star Wars. They don't talk about fuel. They never talk about fuel because they're they're shooting through hyperspace all over the place, pew 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 pew, and nobody ever talks about what it takes to run these ships. And so now with this this cruiser, you got like eighteen hours of fuel left, and then six hours of fuel left, and whatever. Um, and that's it, which is pretty cool because the only time space ever talks about fuel was in Spaceballs, where um, where, where Mog and uh, uh, Lone Star had to go and you know go with gas and tow at the very end of the movie, and so you don't get to hear about that very much, which is really cool. Uh, we got to see the Force do some things we've never seen the Force do. Yoda, of course, makes an appearance there with well, on the island with Luke, and which. I've been told that's a puppet, and I think that is a puppet because I know when The Force Awakens came out, one of J.J. Abrams' things was he wasn't going to use CGI for things like this. He was going to use puppetry. Um, and I, that was, a, that was an amazing looking puppet. That was an amazing looking puppet. Um, and so, and somebody may correct me if I'm like, no, that was CGI. And if so, still, it looked amazing. But The Force, you can, you can cause lightning. I mean, like Yoda raising his finger in, as a Force ghost and causing lightning to burn the tree down, boom, you know, whatever. Um, Leia getting blown out. Of the of the first uh, the very very beginning uh, a, a very with well, the front of the cruiser getting blown out into space and using the force to pull herself back in, these are things we haven't seen the force do. We're used to the force moving X-wing fighters out of the Dagobah swamp, and we're used to seeing the force you know uh, moving columns onto Dooku's head as Yoda like tries to battle him and things like that. We're we're seeing seeing those things, but we're not used to seeing the force used in this manner. So it was really cool to see the kind of liberties taken with the force. And they even set it up like that. Luke was talking to 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 Ray on that island about what the Force is. It's not just a Jedi power moving things. It's actually the symbiotic um, uh, thing happening amongst all living beings and all creatures and whatever. So it was it was kind of cool to see that happen. And I mentioned before that I love the character of Rose. I did. I love the character of Rose. I thought she was fun. I didn't think I would like her that much, but I really did. She was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Kelly Marie Tran was great in this role. Um, I don't like the kiss at the end I think it was forced uh, I think it was uh, when she kissed when she kissed Finn at the end I, I you know you've been in this guy for what 12 hours now I guess it's true Disney fashion you're gonna fall in love with him I, I you know it just it didn't seem right it just seemed so felt kind of funny and so you know I, I just I don't know I, I'm not a fan of that and I, I don't think that we I don't think that should have happened um not that I'm not a fan of the romance. I, the romance itself might be fine, might happen. If it happens in episode nine, that's wonderful. I'd love to see the two of them. Maybe something can happen. I just didn't like that particular kiss. The other thing, too, that one of the big, one of the big flaws for me as well is the whole Canto Bright scene. Um, I felt was unnecessary. Uh, I, I felt like it was, 
And I don't know if that was only to get Benicio Del Toro in the movie, and I've heard they actually offered it to Joaquin Phoenix, and so uh, apparently they didn't write it specifically for one actor, otherwise they wouldn't have offered it to various actors. Um, I love Benicio Del Toro's character. DJ was great. I loved his character. That 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 uh, uh, stuttering thing, I'm pretty sure that was Del Toro, because he's a very quirky actor. He's a great actor, but I'm pretty sure that was him doing that. He, I loved his whole, his whole part was great. I just felt like they could have skipped that entire thing Okay, and I don't know if that was to enhance the possible connection between Finn and uh, and and uh, Rose, or if that was to set up something for Episode Nine or whatever. It just it didn't it didn't it was a fun scene. It just didn't feel like it needed to be there. You could have shortened this movie up by twenty minutes. Cause this movie's two and a half hours long. You could have taken twenty minutes out and not had that, and them just go straight to, you know, straight to the ship. Um, the scene I mentioned earlier that just the whole audience gasped was, of course, the hyperspace scene. Laura Dern was was a uh, was was in this movie, and uh, she played uh, oh, what was her name? It's not Hondo. It's like Hondola or something like that. But she she was somebody I wasn't sure about. I wasn't sure that I would like in this film. I like Laura Dern as an actress. I think she's a brilliant actress. Um, Holdo, Holdo, uh, Vice Admiral Holdo. And I wasn't sure I had heard rumors about maybe her character being like a traitor. Maybe her character was the one feeding information to the First Order. Turns out she was heroic. Um, the scene, when she turns her ship around and goes into hyperspace through through the, the, the First Order fleet was insane. I mean, everybody in our audience, the 6 p.m. audience was actually more subdued than the 9.30 audience. The 9.30 audience was fired up. So when that happened, the whole, the whole audience went silent Everything went. I mean, everything just like because, <gasps> of course, the movie is silent as well. It's just a it's a silent scene. And then, of course, there's an explosion, and it was it was beautifully shot. One of my favorite pieces of film I think I've ever seen, and I've seen it. To, I, I wanted. To, I turned to my friend next to me real quick, and I mentioned to her. I was like, I want to rewind that right now and watch that over and over because that was brilliant. That was amazing, and it really was. It was an amazing scene. I loved it, and so. Yeah, so there was that. Um, I loved the whole dynamic of the growth of the characters in this. And this is kind of where the complexity thing comes from. Because, And maybe it's really simple in this one movie. And maybe it's very apparent. Maybe it's almost like too apparent. Um, maybe they forced it in there. But I loved it anyway. How you had, had Poe as that hothead at the very beginning of the film. causing Basically causing the death of the entire bomb fleet. And then over here... Uh, at the very end of it, he's kind of the let's not do this, let's see this what it is. We're not going to go help Luke. We're going to wait. And we're going to see. Um, we're going to see. You know, he, this is what he's doing. I'm thinking through this plan now. Okay, let's get out of here. On the other side, you had Finn over here who was kind of running. Who's going to go get Ray? And at the end, he's ready to run out into battle to go sit, go help Luke Skywalker because now he's not just scum. He's rebel scum. Uh, it's cool watching the, the the dynamic of the character. Um, Luke Skywalker coming back at the very end was was amazing. Was wonderful. It threw me off to begin with because I, all I could think of was. That's that's his that 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 looks like young Luke. What I don't understand. He was old Luke. And now he's young Luke. I'm confused. Of course, we find out it's his Force Ghost doing that. It's like his, his apparition doing that. Which again, I didn't know the Force could do. I didn't know he could do that. Which is really really cool. Um, but but that was really really cool. Some things to watch if you watch the movie again. Watch for in that battle scene with Kylo. Watch for Luke's feet. He doesn't really brush up any sand on the on the ground. So that's that's an idea. Um, also, he doesn't really touch. Kylo at all with his lightsaber, so that's something to look out for as well. And of course, the lightsaber he's got in his hand is the same lightsaber that was ripped apart by both Ray and Finn and their um, sorry, Ray and Kylo in their battle scene. So it's like, okay, that was that's gone now, but now you've got it back, and so it's 
once you look at it again, you realize, oh, there's so many signs here to realize that was just an apparition. That's not really Luke. Great scene, though. Fantastic scene. Luke, uh, Mark Hamill was, was brilliant in this movie. It was wonderful. Kylo Ren and, uh, and Ray fighting, uh, fighting out the Plutherian guards there. And that was one of the best battles I've seen in a long, long time. They were so great together. And of course, the, the lightsaber over the shoulder just fired on and off real quick and getting the guy in the head, which was awesome. Did not see the Snoke death coming. Had no clue the Snoke death was going to happen. No clue at all. It was, it was cool. It was cool to watch that. It was a little surprising. Um, Snoke is one of those characters. He was put in there in the first, the, the first uh, Force Awakens to be like this massive, major crazy character, this major villain, and all of a sudden he's dispatched. And so I almost feel like we're leaving with something. We need a little bit more than that, than just than what we got from him. But Overall, it was a uh, it, it was a good. Um, so anyway, so those are my thoughts on the story. Those are my thoughts on on the Last Jedi, and I'm sure you might have some as well. Maybe I'm leaving some out, but uh, but overall, again, I loved the movie. I did. I, I loved it. I, I saw it twice in one night. I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I just thought it was really well done. I thought it was really well told. I'm looking forward to to, uh, to episode nine. Um, I like where they ended it. I like the characters. I love. I think they did great things with Princess Leia um, or General Organa with Carrie Fisher. I think they did a wonderful job with her. I, I didn't really like the, when her flew, when she flew out into space. It looked like she was an action figure because she was just like like straight up and down, not moving. So that was kind of weird. But overall, I loved her character. Admiral Akbar, of course, died, which was just what um, had very unceremonious death. All of a sudden, it explodes and he's gone. And and then we have somebody else saying, you know, Admiral Akbar and the rest are all gone. It's like what just happened to Akbar? He's been in this thing the whole time. You're gonna just wipe him out like that? What are you doing, man? And so um, overall, though. Great film, great movie. Loved it, loved every bit of it. A lot of holy crap moments, a few oh no they didn't, and one genuinely draw dropping. <gasps> oh my gosh, moment. Um, you need to see this on the big screen. If you haven't seen it again, you need to go see it again on the big screen. Tell your friends to see it on the big screen because don't be those people. Don't let your friends be those people. I can just wait till I come. I got a big screen at home. I can watch it at home. No, don't do that. See this on the big screen, guys. See it on the big screen. Hope you guys have a great Christmas. We'll be come back. We'll come back with one more episode before the end of the year, coming out next Sunday, of course, which will be like right before Christmas. And so, um, I hope you guys have a great week. Have a wonderful time. Go see this movie. Enjoy it. And again, thank your Phoenicians, and may the Force be with you always.